Good morning, church. What a privilege it is to worship with you this morning. We're so glad so many of you are joining us online as well. We're in the smack dab middle of this sermon series on the life of Peter. We're calling it Rocky Road. His parents named him Simon. Jesus nicknamed him Peter, and the word Peter means rock. But as we'll see today, his life was often anything but that rocky exemplar. Uh, and, and in some ways, that's sad, right? Uh, but in some ways, it's reassuring because uh, our lives are a rocky road too. And uh, sometimes uh, we bring joy to the heart of the Lord, and sometimes we bring pain to the heart of the Lord. But the Lord is still with us. And that's what I want us to see today as we look at not one but two passages. I'm going to talk fast. Uh, but I want us to look at two passages that are somehow linked together. Uh, one is in go- the, the Gospel of Mark chapter 14, and the other is John 21. And so, hear the word of the Lord. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him You also were with that Nazarene, Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and he went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow was one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses. And he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. And now we jump to John 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. God bless the reading of his word. There was an American journalist by the name of William Shire, and he worked in Nazi Germany in the 1930s, and he later wrote a very famous book about his experiences, and he titled it The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. That title, Rise and Then Fall, captures a pretty familiar narrative arc, doesn't it? A person or group or nation rises in prominence, but then through some tactical error or moral uh, failure, they fall, and often they fall dramatically. Today's sermon follows a different trajectory. It is the fall and then the rise. Peter's fall into denial of Jesus, and then just a few days later, his beginning repentance and beginning rise to become a leader in the early church. And the journey that we're gonna trace is gonna feel like a roller coaster. Little question, how many of you like roller coasters? Let me see your hand. 
Okay, how many of you don't like roller coasters? Let me see. Okay, yeah, it feels, I don't know, 60-40 maybe? Uh, you know, in my experience, some people, they love them. They, they fill out a personal bingo card on all these different roller coasters and all these famous uh, amusement parks. And then also, just as your hands would show, uh, there are other people who despise roller coasters, like maybe this boy right, right here. Right? Roller coasters make them scared or nauseous uh, or even sometimes physically sore after you ride them, right? Now, I would say that whether you love roller coasters or you hate roller coasters, spiritually speaking, roller coasters are unavoidable. Time and again, we find ourselves falling to new lows or rising to new highs. And unfortunately, this pattern tends to repeat itself. You know, I've heard a lot of Christian testimonies in my life, and in that personal testimony, the fall was always in the past tense. It's like, I was a terrible sinner, but now every day since then, it's just been up and up and up and up and up, right? But for most of us, while we pray that our life kind of shows a general trend uh, upward, for most of us, our life's probably a lot more like uh, this kind of Dow Jones ticker, right? And and like I say, we hope that as we follow Jesus that that we're growing spiritually, but so often, day to day, it's, it's the up and down, isn't it? In fact, the Bible warns us in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that it's right when we're, we think we're going up that sometimes that's where we're, we're most spiritually vulnerable. Uh, Paul says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Be careful of spiritual pride. And so one of the things that might be helpful for you and me as we walk through this Uh, uh, these two important chapters, connected chapters in the life of the Apostle Peter, is is for you to think about maybe last week, last month, last season, um, what what direction is your roller coaster heading? Are you kind of falling? Are you falling away from your first love of Jesus? Is your heart growing cold? Are you growing in your love for Jesus, right? Or if you look back over the last month, say, is it just kind of feel like this uh, all the way? Well, here's the good news. Whichever way your roller coaster car is going, the good news is that Jesus buckles in with us, whether we're going up or whether we're going down. Isn't that great news? Jesus buckles in with us. If you are a Christian, the Bible says you are in Christ and Christ is in you. I almost like to think of it like the image of the the roller coaster car. It's like Jesus is sitting next to you and the bar has come down and you're buckled in, right? You are buckled in with Jesus. You you are in the yoke, so to speak, with Jesus. And, uh, And Jesus wants us to rise always, right? But Jesus is buckled in with us regardless of the direction we're going. And so... As we've kind of divided the scripture reading into two parts, I want to, I want to divide the, the, what I have to say about the scripture into two parts. And the first part is lessons for the downward slide. Lessons we learn when we're going in the wrong direction. And for that, we'll look at Mark 14. 
just to set the context for you, it's very early Good Friday morning. In fact, Monday, Thursday evening has kind of gone into Good Friday morning, just the night before Jesus has shared a last supper with his disciples. He's washed their feet. He's taken them on what was supposed to be uh, a prayer retreat in Gethsemane, although it turned into a nap uh, for the disciples. Jesus has been betrayed by one of his 12 disciples, uh, Judas Iscariot. He's been taken to this impromptu trial at the, at the home of the high priest, Caiaphas. And on this same night, when, when Peter boldly told Jesus that, that Peter would be the last man standing, right? Let everybody else d- desert you. I will be there. Well, when Jesus is arrested, Peter kind of hangs back a little bit. He does trail Jesus. He, he finds out where Jesus is going, but he at the same time keeps his distance. So I want you to get the picture. Jesus is, is at the high priest's house. He's upstairs. He's kind of on the second floor. And while he's upstairs, he's being falsely accused. He's being spat upon. He's blindfolded. He's beaten up. All the while, while Jesus is inside upstairs, Peter is downstairs outside in this outdoor courtyard of the high priest. He's warming himself by fire on that chilly spring evening in Jerusalem. And this is right at the point where we really begin to see Peter's roller coaster car picking up speed as it heads down. And so we could make so many observations. I want to make two observations about that downward slide that Peter takes that we so often take. And the first observation is this. Sin gets easier the more you do it. It gets easier. It gets harder to resist temptation. Now, there's some things in life we're glad to get easier, right? Like riding a bike or, or baking a cake or preparing an expense report. We're glad we can kind of learn how to do it and it comes easily and, and quickly. But, but, but not sin. And yet I want you to notice the progression. We said Peter was outside. He was warming himself by the fire. Uh, a servant girl, the high priest, comes up to him one-on-one. She was not somebody uh, that was in a, a position of authority. She says, hey, you, you, you were with that rabbi from Nazareth, weren't you? I mean, this is not a high-stakes conversation. It would have been easy for him to tell the truth, and yet he denies it, and he moves kind of from the the fire to the the porch. Well, the servant girl didn't like his answer, and so she follows him, and she kind of broadens the circle. I think she probably feels like she caught Peter in a lie, and so she says, you know that guy? I think he was one of them. I think, I think he's one of that rabbi's followers. And uh, so they ask him, and again, he denies it. It's gotten easier for him to lie, this time to a small group of people. Well, by now, uh, 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 several bystanders have overheard this conversation, and one of them says, you know, and this is Larry's paraphrase, but, but dude, I've heard you talk. You, you've got a Galilean accent, I, I know you must be with that Nazarene who's on trial right now. And, and, and the roller coaster for Simon Peter is going so fast at this point that he kind of doubles down, triples down on the lie. He curses, most likely he calls curses down on himself. He says, let me be accursed if I'm lying to you. I don't know who you're talking about. Isn't that scary? 
how once Peter started lying, he had to keep it up. The roller coaster car picked up speed. While Jesus is being tortured for speaking the truth, Peter tells one lie after another. And sometimes it just begins, right, with an, with an indiscreet word, with a little white lie, with a look where we shouldn't be looking, where a text that we shouldn't send. And, 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 and the best time to break is right then, right? But if we keep going, it, it can almost be like that pilot in the nosedive. It's so hard. It's so hard to write the plane. Now, I find no joy in saying this, right? It's the truth of Scripture. Uh, but it's hard to hear, I know. And yet it's so important for us to hear. And so maybe like just in the last day or week, you've sensed an unhealthy pattern. I just want to say to you, confession is your friend. Confession to Jesus. Maybe even sharing that with a close friend. Uh, confession is your friend. Right? Now, sin gets easier, right? Peter slept in the garden, now he slips, now he falls. But, but even then, Jesus is buckled in the roller coaster with us. And so I would say, if you're feeling guilt and shame over recent sin, Jesus is with you. Jesus is with us. There's a second thing I want you to know about that downhill slide, and that is that Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. I think this is a crucial point, friends. Because often we think we're the experts on us. And yet we don't realize how, how much we have the capacity to deceive ourselves. Sometimes we're almost like toddlers making mischief over in the corner who don't even realize their parents are looking right at them, right? And sometimes we are that toddler. We don't realize what we are doing. I want to pick this up, uh, what happens right after Peter curses and he swears that he's never even known Jesus. And then what happens in verse 72? Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him before the rooster crows twice. You will disown me three times. And this rugged fisherman breaks down and he begins to weep. Maybe you're saying, what's the deal with the rooster? Well, the rooster was like the alarm clock. And, uh, and Jesus had predicted Jesus had told Peter, I mean, before Jerusalem like hits snooze once and then the alarm goes off a second time, before the rooster crows a second time, you will deny me three times. Now Peter had, had brashly said, look, let all these other clowns, these other so-called disciples walk away from you. I'll be the last man standing. Peter, I'm sure, believed himself. And yet Jesus told Peter the truth about himself. And now Peter realizes that Jesus knew much more about his heart than he knew about his own heart. Here's a question I want to ask you. What if you are not necessarily the most reliable narrator of your own life? What if you don't know yourself as well as you think you know yourself? Silly story, many years ago, my wife and I were at an engagement party for some friends, and we got recruited to uh, play the newlywed game, like the older couples who are supposed to know each other so well. You know, it's an exercise in humiliation. And so we were recruited to play the newlywed game, and, uh, uh, they, you know, they started off with some easy softball 
questions, and so the husbands were kind of all in the corner, and then and the question was, what is your, uh, what's the husband's favorite kind of food? This is a simple one, right? Do you remember this? Favorite kind of food. And I thought to myself, well, I'm, I'm half Italian. I love chicken parm. Uh, I'll say Italian. Well, then we get out there for the, the newlywed game, and um, Julie, is, is, it's her turn to guess, and she goes, oh, this is an easy one. It's Tex-Mex. And as soon as she said that, I thought, it is Tex-Mex. <laughs> I love Tex-Mex. I always want Tex-Mex. Right? She knew my favorite food better than I did. It was so embarrassing. And, of course, we lost the newlywed game. Now, I'm not saying she's Jesus or anything, okay? I'm not saying she's Jesus, but, 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 but I am saying this. You know, what if Jesus knows you better than you know you? Because he does, by the way. And if that's the truth, then remembering the words of Jesus can interrupt that painful slide. Jesus says some really hard but important things to us in the Gospels, doesn't he? He says, why why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And maybe that word causes us to realize how much we've been hiding our disobedience under our religiosity. Jesus says, why do you search for the speck in your brother's eye and you miss the log in your own? And maybe that word causes us to realize I've been so judging others and not even realizing my own sin, including the sin of judgmentalism. I mean, if Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves, shouldn't we spend a lot more time in the Gospels listening to what Jesus has to say? Look, it's not a good situation when your roller coaster's going downhill, spiritually speaking. But even then, friends, the good news is that Jesus is buckled in with us. I love what Martin Luther said. He said, you know, he's kind of glad these stories are in the Bible, like stories of Peter's denial. He's not wishing Peter ill or anything like that. But he's saying, I'm so glad these stories are in the Bible because what if the disciples never sinned? Wouldn't we feel horrible? Wouldn't, we, wouldn't, wouldn't it feel terrible for us? And yet to know that even when they didn't get it right, the grace of Christ was there. Jesus saying, I'm going to be here. Even when you're going in the wrong direction, I'm going to be here. You're not going to walk alone. You're not going to ride alone. You're not going to fall alone. Okay. In the time that remains, a couple of lessons for the upward rise upward rise of of repentance in John 21. It's just a few days after that Good Friday betrayal. And now Jesus has risen from the dead. He's already appeared several times to his disciples. And uh, on this particular occasion, he kind of interrupts a a fishing expedition that they have. And by my reading of the early part of John 21, Jesus actually fixes them breakfast, kind of a fish fry. And uh, after Jesus told them where to find fish, he's really good at that. And uh, when the breakfast is done, Jesus asks Peter three very uncomfortable questions. And then he gives three very similar instructions. And some commentators, especially first-year students of New Testament Greek, like to make a big deal out of some of the different Greek words that are used for love. But I think the main meaning is pretty clear all three times. And so we'll just look at one of these, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, interesting that he doesn't call him Peter here, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? 
Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lamb. So there's a, a question, there's an answer, and there's a charge. In all three, question, answer, charge. The question is about Peter's love. The answer is yes, <laughs> each time. And then there's the charge, to feed my sheep, to shepherd my lambs. Now imagine you are Simon Peter. Imagine how hard it would be to hear that question just one time. <laughs> I mean, think of some of the hardest conversations you've ever had. Maybe, uh, maybe you're married. Think about one of those really hard conversations. Maybe somebody asked you something really hard and it hurt to even hear the question and, and you answered the question and, and then they said something and you're like, oh good, that's over with. Imagine having the same conversation again, the same question again, and then a third time. How, how gut-wrenching would that be? But that's what happens. The third time, verse 17 says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And what does it say in, in verse 17? It says that, that Peter was hurt. <laughs> the third time through, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? Okay, two very important lessons, I think. And the first one is Jesus' love for, uh, love for us hurts in order to heal. His love sometimes hurts when we experience it at point of contact in order to bring about healing. I think this is crucial. Maybe you've heard us talk before about the difference between hurt and harm. Like if you have a, 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 a bad infected cut on your hand, let's say, it hurts to have rubbing alcohol poured on it, right? but it harms if it's left untreated. Jesus' love hurts in order to heal. That's how infection is cleansed. I like the way one Christian writer, a psychologist named Kurt Thompson puts it. He says, because Peter is so deeply aware of his shame, three times he denied Jesus, Jesus addresses that shame in a threefold format. It's almost like Jesus is giving Peter a do-over for each of the denials. You denied me three times. You said you didn't know me, much less love me three times. Well, I'm gonna give you three times for you to call me Lord, and then for you to profess your love for me. Right? In other words, Jesus is not trying to give Peter an F. Right? He's trying to give Peter a chance to make good on, on an incomplete. He's trying to give Peter a chance to answer that question, to redo that question, to, to say, in essence, if he ever meets the, the servant girl again, to say, you know what, you asked me a question before and I lied to you. I want you to know I not only love Jesus, uh, I not only know Jesus, I love Jesus. Right? Jesus is my Savior and he's my Lord. So that hurtful exchange of those three questions, Simon Peter, do you love me? The hurt is to bring about healing. The second thing is that Jesus turns past sorrow into present strength. What do I mean by that? Well, as, as regrettable as that whole situation was when Peter denied Jesus not once but three times, the sorrow and the repentance that are generated out of that lead to spiritual strength. 
What am I saying? I'm saying that Jesus can take even our failure, even our sorrow, and use them to serve others. Maybe some of you look back on past shame, past sorrow, and you think, I'm out of the game. (laughs) I'm out of the game. But friends, Jesus rose from the dead. The risen Jesus comes to meet you, to forgive you, and to offer you a chance to repent and get back in the game. For every time you denied, he's given you a chance to profess and to follow. And and as we're going to see next week as we jump into the book of Acts, as Peter's a a leader in the early church, we're going to see how Peter leverages that strength. We're going to see how God works through that humbling of Peter to make him courageous in the face of confrontation. And so I want to ask you, are you willing to leverage that past sorrow and find present strength. We say this all the time, I'll use a very unpastoral metaphor, uh, but as we're launching this new Grow Group season, one of the best gifts that you will give those people in your group is kind of turning a card face up. Instead of just saying, fine, fine, everything's fine, right? It's just really being honest about who you are and, and what God has done and what God is doing in your life. If you can be honest about the way in which Christ was real to you as you were failing him, the ways in which Christ forgave you and reinstated you, that can be such a strength. As you say to one another, hey, let me tell you a little bit about my roller coaster ride. How could you leverage that pain to help somebody? I read recently that a couple of years ago in Japan, Uh, several uh, theme parks were being reopened. They'd been closed because of of COVID. And and they were were being opened back up again, but they had a couple of rules uh, uh, for these roller coasters. The one was, to be understandable, that that, that everybody had to wear a mask. Okay, you know, we're just opening back up, but everybody masks up. That was was one. But the other rule uh, got a lot of attention, and that was you were not allowed to scream. Because screaming, even with a mask, I guess, raises the risk of germs, right? And so to enforce the policy, they, they, they had a little like sign that said, please scream inside your heart <laughs> instead of out loud. And in fact, they had two executives with the uh, Fuji Q Highland Amusement Park. They released a four-minute video of them riding this 230-foot-tall roller coaster in complete silence, which, of course, in 2020 led to a meme, Scream Inside Your Heart, uh, which was probably not a bad theme for 2020, right? VRVC. I want you to know, you don't have to scream inside your heart here, okay? You and I can talk to one another, share with one another about the struggles that we face. We don't have to internalize all of our pain. We can share with one another. We can share what it feels like, the terror of coming down and the terror of going up sometimes. We can share that with one another. 
And we can know that even when we are by ourselves, Jesus is buckled in with us. And when the ride gets scary, he is with us. And he hears our screams, right? Those out loud and those only heard inside of our hearts. And we can know that he's buckled in with us. And for every wound of sin, he has the medicine of grace. And for every denial, there's the possibility of reinstatement. And for every scary moment on the journey, he's the good shepherd. And he's with us at the top. And he's with us in the valley. For every pain in our past, Jesus has a purpose. Jesus wants to use that pain to strengthen us and to strengthen others. That's what Simon Peter learned on his rocky road. That's what Simon Peter learned on his roller coaster. And that's what the Spirit wants us to learn today. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, how thankful we are that you are buckled in with us. You promised that you would never leave us or forsake us. You promised that you would be with us always, even to the end of the age. And Lord, we claim that promise right now. As we look back with sorrow on the ways in which we've failed you and denied the reality of you, Lord, we ask you to receive our confession. And Lord, as we look forward with hope, even the, the hurt, Lord, we ask you to use to bring about healing as we might follow you and experience the love of a good shepherd and as we might share that shepherd-like love with all of your lambs and all of your sheep, Lord. We ask for that strength as well. And Lord, we pray that nobody here has to scream and suffer alone, but that we might be the body of Christ for one another, that we might buckle in with one another as you have buckled in with us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.